Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host. Good evening, KOTO listeners, and welcome to another installment of Off the Record. I am your host, Julia Caulfield. Um, As I was just saying, it's hard to believe that we're already at another election cycle. It feels like it just happened. Uh, But here we are, and we are hosting our very first off-the-record program talking about elections. Tonight, we have the first of two candidate forums for folks who are vying for seats on Telluride Town Council. We have four seats up this year, six people who are running And I'm going to introduce the folks that I have here with me this evening. I have Jesse Ray Arguez, Dan Enright, and Geneva Shawnette. Thank you all for being here. Thank you. for having us. So I will be passing the mic to y'all for some opening statements. I also have some prepared questions of my own. But as those who listen to Off the Record know, this is also an opportunity for you to call in with your own questions. So if you have a question for the candidates, please give us a call, 970-728-4333. If the folks are in the middle of an answer, we'll just have you hang on the line. So don't, don't hang up and we'll bring you up on the air as quickly as we can. So let's just get going. We only have an hour, so we should dive right in with some opening statements. I'm going to give you about two minutes um, to share why you're running for Telluride Town Council. Jesse Ray, we're going to start with you, and I'm actually going to have you pull your microphone a little bit closer. Okay. Thank you, Julia. Um, I'm actually running for re-election. I'm at the end of my first term. I have... When I ran initially, I told myself that I either needed to do something to contribute to the community or simply stop complaining behind closed doors. And this experience and working with the other six people on town council and our staff has um, really been one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done as a lifelong Telluride local, a parent, a ski coach, a daughter, um, an active community member. To to feel like you're contributing and, and making a difference and fighting the good fight, that is why I'm rerunning so that I can best advocate for the wide demographic of this community, their needs and wants, and hopefully take us to the next phase of keeping Telluride funky and um, and and being a pretty amazing community. And it, it takes a lot of work, and I'm, I'm up for the challenge. Dan, let's go to you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, I'm running because, like many people, I've felt some changes happening in Telluride, some good and some less so. And I think, like Jesse Ray just said, that if if it's a lot easier just to complain, but it, it's it's up for us, passionate and involved individuals, to step up and be the change that they want to see. Uh, I feel called because I have special fortune in Telluride with my affordable housing. I also feel that Telluride has given me so much and helping me become the man that I needed to be. And I want to return some of that to this town that I love so much. Um, I feel like I've already done a lot of work to begin to get involved, including my work on planning and zoning. And uh, I want to continue that on and uh, be a voice for the working people of our town and and help make an impact to help balance the needs of our tourism economy uh, with the workers that make it run and, and help create a sustainable community here in Telluride. 
Thank you. Geneva, you're up. Um, thanks. Yeah, this is Geneva Shawnette. I'm also running to get my second term. Um, I got elected four years ago along with Jesse. Um, and I think I'm running because I've really enjoyed um, being a part of these discussions about where our town's going, where the community's going. And we've been faced with a lot of change in a small amount of time. Uh, we've all been through uh, COVID and that sort of trauma together. And I think we need to really uh, reevaluate what direction we want our town going in um, and improve our communication amongst all parts of the community. Um, I've really loved being a part of the Telluride Housing Authority subcommittee meeting, which meets about uh, what kind of projects we should be building next with the affordable housing funds. Um, and I think I have a really good understanding of how our government works and show up to all the meetings. And yeah, I'm excited to get back into it uh, or continue the projects that I've been working on and that we've all been working on together. And uh, especially grateful um, for this, you know, this election cycle, there's been a lot of um, new ideas and new people coming to the table. And I'm really grateful for all of the folks who don't necessarily agree with things that I'm doing, coming and meeting with me and gaining a better understanding of each other. So I just want to keep doing all of that, keep communicating with our, uh, with our town. And yeah, that's why I'm doing it. So obviously, if you are elected, you will each be your own individual town council member, but you are also serving as one of seven on this board to represent the community. Uh, what do you see your leadership style being and how do you, how does that uh, tie in with the broader structure of a town council? Dan, we're going to start with you. Wonderful. I think I am bring a good balance of my own priorities and my own ethos to the table along with a strong willingness to listen to the other sides of issues and I think I demonstrate that already with the work I've done on planning and zoning and some of the other ideas I've brought forward like the town park campground idea that I brought forth this last winter and working together to hash out all the fine details uh, of policy that that makes things actually run and it I one of the things I truly appreciate about Telluride is the broad spectrum of people that make this town special and uh, I want to be able to represent all of those people and be able to help to listen to that so I, I definitely see myself as a leader but also coming if I were elected to council I'd recognize that I would be one of seven and especially as one of the the new people I'd have to learn from those who have come before me I've already been trying to work on that in my campaign by meeting with counselors present and past to hear what they have to say to me and uh, gather what advice they can give to me so I can learn from what they've already done. And I've been trying to demonstrate that as well by regularly attending as many meetings as I can. I have a strong attendance record already, even when it's already, it's just volunteer time and trying to learn uh, the ins and outs of everything that is going on on town so that if I am elected, I can slide right into the role uh, without needing to be brought up to speed. I'm already there. I already have the groundwork laid, and so I can hop right into the job and begin doing the work that needs to be done to better our town. Geneva, we'll go to you next. Um, I think I, my leadership style is being sort of uh, a change maker and a, a bit of a um, firecracker in a sense. <laughs> I definitely push forward things that are 
that shake up the norm and shake up the system that we're in. Um, of course, I'm only one person, so I can't make drastic changes alone. There's some tempering that goes on as we all discuss what these are, but I definitely see my role as, you know, pushing some, what some may see as extreme um, solutions or ideas and posing them to council and, and really asking for us to, uh, as a group and as a community to look at the system and how things are working and maybe make some changes. Um, so I think that that's, that's sort of been a, a big mission of mine is to just bring conversations to the table, even if they're hard or might um, make some people uncomfortable or hurt their feelings or uh, any number of reactions. But I'm willing to do that to definitely push the conversation forward. Um, and I think also I've improved, you know, in the in the beginning uh, of my council term, I was like that, but also w was not really as willing to give on um, compromise. Or, uh, and I've, I think I've gotten better at that and understanding that, you know, I'm not always right. And that, you know, I'm not the only person in the room and we're all contributing to these ideas. So uh, yeah, bringing things up and then also um, communicating to the community. I spent a lot of time, you know, I call you, Julia, once a month, you know, to do our interviews before council meetings to make sure that the community has sort of the bullet points about what's going on um, in council and to tune in. And I've fired up my uh, my social media Instagram account as, as well again and been writing some letters to the editor. And I want to, I need to get back um, into pushing that communication status because that's definitely an area um, that our town government could improve is communicating with, with our people. Jesse Ray, we'll go to you. Thank you. Um, my leadership style, you know, I think one of the advantages of having been born and raised here and being able to see um, the ever evolving change in the community needs and, and intimately getting to know everyone that lives in this town, regardless of demographics, whether they're racial, age, financial, anything like that. I feel like I do a really good job of objectively, diplomatically, and equally representing the, the vast, you know, our, our huge community um, and all their needs. Also, you know, I, I, I'm good at bringing up the hard, asking the hard questions. Um, I truly enjoy doing research and networking with people outside of town council meetings. I feel like that's um, a tribute that I have that uh, sets me apart. Like I will spend, you know, five and a half hours with Michael Martelson at uh, the tourism board to really try and dissect and get down to the nitty gritty of like what they're doing. There's been a lot of questions around that, you know, their importance, their relevance. Um, but I am someone that will take the time to do the extra work. Um, also, as a mother, um, it gives me a unique opportunity to advocate for the needs of our younger generations and also hear what it's like from working parents. Um, I, I, I enjoy this more than most people might think, even uh, with the eight gray hairs I've gotten in the last four years. But um, it's, it's something that I'm passionate about, the people of this community I'm passionate about, and I want to advocate for them as best as I can. So I think that that is my, uh, my leadership style is advocating for everyone equally and objectively. So we can't have a forum for candidates talking about our community without talking about housing. Um, actually impossible. Geneva, we're gonna start with you. This is a very big question, but 
in a few short minutes, can you share what you see, quote unquote, solving Telluride's housing crisis looks like to you? Gosh, that is a big question. I think that um, solving is going to be in the eye of the beholder. Some people have different goals with housing, for sure. Um, I'm really excited and proud that our council passed the Southwest Area Plan, uh, which kind of lays a conceptual development plan, um, very general, about the pieces of property that the town owns in the Southwest Area, mostly um, the Shandoka parking lot and the Carhenge parking lot. So... I'm really looking forward to sort of taking on the circulation and the traffic um, updates that we need to do in that area and then getting going as soon as possible on developing lots of housing on those parking lots. Um, I think it's really important for us to be building housing in town, um, not only because that's where we have infrastructure like water, wastewater, electricity, all of those things, but also um, being environmentally conscious with, you know, not requiring cars or buses to be driving driving um, our community members into town to work. So uh, I really look forward to developing more housing in town. Um, I don't think that density is a bad thing. I think that uh, in order to be uh, the community that we want to be, we're going to need hundreds of units, um, both in town and out of town. Um, and I'm psyched that, you know, that we are well underway with our construction on the Sunnyside project, which is not in the heart of town. Um, but I think that moving quickly, um, and thoughtfully, of course, on the Southwest area development is going to be a huge relief, um, for, uh, our housing crunch, as well as staying open to work with the mountain village or the County on any other, um, public partnerships we can do there. I also think there's an opportunity for public-private partnerships in the Southwest Area Plan, um, even though we do, <coughs> excuse me, have really strong funding for affordable housing, which I'm really proud that our community has voted time and time again to uh, continue collecting and even raising those taxes so that we can build more housing. So uh, really quick to wrap up and just as an informational we are planning uh for the voodoo lot that's going to be 25 to 35 units hopefully breaking ground in the spring another um another project in the virginia placer area for on-call um employees and then uh the tower house and the Canyonlands lot which is the uh parking lot just west of um or excuse me just east of clark's market so those are our next three and then i look forward to planning um circulation and southwest area plan um development which will be hundreds of units jesse ray we'll go to you thank you um yeah this is a very big question i um i'm super proud of what this council and the previous council have done to address housing um, for our local community. I would love to see um, this be acknowledged as more of a regional responsibility. There's a lot of times where I feel like it falls on the shoulders of the town of Telluride. And now we're seeing some business owners buy land or buildings to house their employees. And that's not a a fix all either, but I think it's gonna take a, a lot of people putting in a lot of different ideas using their time, their energy to try and meet the ever-growing needs of our housing um, kind of disparity. I would um, love to see more collaborations. Like Geneva said, I think there's a lot of potential for P3s. Um, It's it's finding the right project. It's presenting it the right way. Um, I do feel like 
Um, right now, we have an opportunity with the entities in place to really make some magical things happen. I mean, even with the school district, first responders. Um, and, you know, Telluride is a work in progress, like all of us. I am not sure that we'll ever fully meet the needs, but I do think that while we're addressing these housing needs, that a really important component of that is infrastructure growth, because I think that if we had more balanced growth, it might be easier to accomplish some of these things as opposed to trying, like, constantly playing catch up in, in one realm or the other realm. So I would love to continue the motivation that our housing authorities has had, but I'd also like to really instigate um, more collaborations and, and ask more from regional entities that can contribute. And whether it's business owners or the ski area or the town of Mountain Village or San Miguel County, like we all have to be part of this solution. Dan, we'll go to you. Wonderful. Well, I agree, and I think I've been saying it for years, that there's never going to be a silver bullet when it comes to housing. And like Geneva alluded to, uh, the solution for housing is going to depend on who you ask. But um, I think that continuing to build off of the strong groundwork that our current council has done, uh, and also prioritizing it, making sure that we're electing people that recognize uh, the hardships that certain members of our community are currently feeling and making sure that uh, they feel like the needs, their needs are being met currently. Uh, and I think that that's going to need to incorporate uh, creative solutions, things like the park project that I already mentioned, or the dozen different projects uh, and ideas that were brought up at last week's planning and zoning meeting, uh, including upzoning of deed restrictions and, and working on programs potentially like Mountain Village's Yes Deed Restriction Program starting to examine those type of programs that are going to get more people into affordable housing quickly because even if we break ground on all these projects tomorrow we're still talking two-year timelines so we have to start looking at what are what are projects that can that help our community in need now because i do see that there is a need now and that also incorporates like both of uh these fine ladies sitting on either side of me currently both said other communities in our region including Mountain Village, the Ski Company, and San Miguel County, making sure we prioritize that. That ties into the bigger picture of transportation and infrastructure, making sure that all of those moving pieces are incorporated. And that ties back into what I said earlier, that we have candidates that understand the issues, especially the new candidates, since we can't just fill it with incumbents this year. There has to be at least two new uh, people on council this year, making sure that we appoint candidates that understand the issues and understand all these moving parts and I think I'm the candidate that brings that forward uh, so I want to continue to build off of that groundwork I want to continue to bring forward the new ideas that I'm bringing forward and listen to the new ideas that others are, are talking to me around me and I'm part of those conversations I'm willing to both lead and listen and be a strong member of our council Julie, I have just one more thing I wanted to add. I, I think that something that uh, is definitely worth mentioning when it, we talk about housing is utilizing available inventory and trying to incentivize people who have EDUs or ADUs or extra rooms and, and what that incentive looks like. You know, I'm not sure, but we do have inventory here. So when we talk about an immediate solution, I believe that that is the immediate solution to get people into beds right away. However, figuring out you know, what that carrot is to dangle in front of people that have the extra room or the EDU or whatever is kind of the caveat there. But I do think through thoughtful conversations and town council has been doing a wonderful job lately getting creative with housing solution conversations. Like, I think that we have a really good chance to kind of speed up this um, meeting the, the needs uh, problem. 
We obviously have, well, maybe not obviously, to you all, obviously, um, there are two ballot initiatives on um, up for a vote this November. One of them would place a cap on short-term rentals at 400 The other would raise the... Um, the fees, the business license fees on short-term rental licenses and put a moratorium, a two-year moratorium on any new business licenses for short-term rentals. Both can pass. They're not diametrically opposed to each other. Both of them are able to pass. So I'm curious to hear from each of you what your stance is on these two ballot measures. Jesse Ray, we'll start with you. Thanks. (laughs) Um, I think that it's, what they both represent to me is the the greater community also recognizing the housing crisis that we are currently in and our community members getting creative and trying to be part of the solution. Um, I am 100% for the democratic process. I'm 100% um, for talking about any idea that's ever presented. Where I have a real issue is when I think about jobs that could be lost, um, tax dollars that could be lost. If if we can find a solution that is equitable and doesn't cut us off at the ankles, to, for lack of a, a better analogy, like, I believe that that is the, the better choice. And, you know, one of our ballot initiatives that would cap um, short-term rentals or actually cut it down significantly, it's estimated that we're going to lose about 40 million dollars in revenue and how did the town of Tyride make up for that revenue loss I don't know and I also you know do as just not as a town council person but as a community person it's it's really easy to look at the short-term rental market and think that this is a huge contributing factor for our long-term rental loss but we've created this economic ecosystem that has now um, created hundreds of more jobs and with that you know wastewater infrastructure needs and early childhood education needs and to kind of cut that off, I think we would see unintended consequences that we simply can't recover from um, for, for decades probably. So um, yeah, I'm gonna leave it there. <laughs> Dan, we'll move to you. Well, I wanna start by saying uh, I attended a, a meeting uh, organized by one of the realtors in our community earlier our last month and uh, at that, there was a lot of good conversation, and one of the proposals brought up was a moratorium on new short-term rental licenses. And the takeaway I, I take from that is that we have more common ground than be, is being currently recognized. Uh, I think that a lot of people recognize the need for some regulations on short-term rentals, and other people in our community, like the Citizens Initiative, are pushing for more. And I think when we frame this discussion in, the, in that lens, uh, that we are both looking for regulations, it becomes a much more approachable problem, that we can find that middle ground and find that compromise on how to best regulate that. And that's one of the things I'm hoping to, to bring to council is that perspective of, uh, of, of working together and compromise. And I think that that's, that's, that's fair. Um, I, I do think that some regulation is is going to be good in the short-term uh, short-term rental market. And I would also really like to tie that in with an incentive program, uh, both from the private sector and from the public sector. The private sector, a company called Landing Locals, who I've already had a meeting with their director, uh, just works to help provide the, uh, the transition costs from short-term to long-term. 
because the margins on the short-term rental in, in certain circumstances uh, and the smaller apartments, the apartments that would be more suitable for a long-term rental, are the margins for short-term rental are not as great as people often think and that uh, they're not as profitable in a lot of times, especially when considering the long off-seasons we have, the high cost of upkeep and turnover and uh, the pay that you have to give to a property management company if you do choose to go that rate. So I'd also like to push our town to adopt an incentive program like that. And that I think is a win-win. I think that a lot of people, a lot of the workers in town feel overworked and feel stressed out by the sheer number. I think that we saw that with Ghost Town and how they closed down. And I, knowing the owner of that business, I know that she has said that her employees felt that they had reached unsustainable levels. And I, and I think that that's a common sentiment in town. And so I, this all ties back to my approach and my campaign slogan, which is sustainable community, which to me means bringing a balance, again, between our tourism economy and those who make it run. And uh, I think we have to take the big picture that takes all those factors into account and, and start to work on a compromise. Geneva. Um, yeah, so I want to first just clarify that um, this two initiatives are different, came about in different ways. So the citizens initiative uh, was put forward by citizens. They got enough signatures to get it on the ballot. And that bill, if it passes, can be changed by town council after six months of uh, waiting. Um, it also doesn't um, go really into effect until 2023. And then the other um, the other initiative, uh, 2D, I think it is, right? Correct. Um, which is the moratorium. Um, that one, if, if that passes, because it's not a citizen's initiative, it could be changed the day after the election by town council. And I, and I introduced my, um, my comment with that because I don't think either of them are perfect. And I don't think that anybody thinks either of them are perfect. I'm going to vote for 300 because I really like some of the things that it puts um, as definitions and distinctions. I think that primary residence short-term rental licenses are, is a good concept that a lot of communities have used. Um, in the ballot initiative, those kind of uh, licenses are exempted from the cap. Um, and I think that a cap is important because as both of um, my comrades here have touched on, we can use it as an incentive to get more people um, renting out an alley house or an EDU, which is a good thing if we can make an exchange. Like maybe you're exempt from the cap of short-term rental licenses if you rent out the apartment on above your garage to a long-term um, employee. So I think that there are some really important things that come with a cap. I think that 400 was sort of chosen by the citizens um, who put this ballot initiative together, you know, with some limited uh, research or they did the best that they could. Um, I fully intend to change uh, or push for change if either of these pass. But I think that um, having a cap that is less than what we have now would be important in order to convert some of those other empty units we've been talking about. Um, and I fully commit to make changes to either of them that um, they get pushed through. All right, we have a caller on the line who has a question, I believe. Hi, you're live on Kodo. Hello. Hello, is this me? Yes. Do you have a question for our candidates? 
I do. Um, drilling down into a little bit of the detail of those two proposals, um, Initiative 300 um, exempts um, anybody whose primary residence is used occasionally as a short-term rental. Um, you know, it's a truly a residential property. Whereas Initiative 2D, if I have this right, um, uh, does not from the cap and from the moratorium. Um, and uh, does allow for um, an increase in business licenses, uh, uh, including you know those folks that are paying residential property taxes for their commercial businesses. Um, I'd like to ask each of the candidates whether they favor uh, the uh, that um, uh, approach of the citizens' initiative towards the primary residences or that of the uh, Keith Hampton, the county's lodging tax panel, the Telluride Tourism Board uh, funding organization. Which of those two approaches to um, uh, uh, primary homeowners' use of the short-term rentals, whether they support or oppose that? Thank you. Thanks for your question. Um, So, Dan, we'll start with you on this one. Did everybody understand the question? Perfect. Dan, we'll go for you. So my understanding of the question comes down to if we pass a moratorium like 2D and then um, I believe your question is in reference more towards if people then move to Telluride after this is passed, that moratorium would not allow for them to get a new short-term rental license on their primary residence, while the Citizens Initiative 300 would. And that is more, I am more in favor of that. I, I, I certainly am going to be elected by the citizens of Telluride. And of course, I recognize the importance of second homeowners and tourists to our economy and certainly don't want to do anything to uh, disadvantage them unnecessarily. But uh, I want to look out for the community of Telluride. That's who's going to elect me and that's who I'm running for. And that's that's my strongest connection is the people here in Telluride. And so I, I think that in that specific aspect of both of these bills, and obviously there's many facets to each of these that that comes into, I support that that specific segment that uh, advantages primary residents, like in ballot initiative 300, that allows primary residents to have a short-term rental license in their primary residence. Geneva, we'll go to you. Um, yes, I agree with Dan. I think that uh, primary residence uh, versus investment property, I suppose you could call it, or second home, um, are is a great distinction to make. Um, Denver and many other cities across the country um, make that distinction, and I would love it if it was easier for um, people who are renting out their primary residence for Christmas or bluegrass or whatever it may be. That's, you know something that's been a part of this community for a really long time. And I think that it helps support um, people making their mortgage or paying their rent if it's okay with their landlord to rent out their place for a weekend. Um, And I also think it's an opportunity, you know, I'm also in favor of raising some of the business license fees. I think that a current, you know, business license fees for short-term rentals are in the two, three, four hundred dollar range. Um, and most the average room rental rate this summer has been hovering around five hundred dollars, I think. So we're really talking about a very small amount. Um, but I would lo- I think <clears throat> excuse me, I think that 
raising some of those fees, but having more affordable fees for people who it's their primary residence um, is a little bit of an equalizer when uh, folks are really just trying to help support themselves and um, pay their mortgage. So I am in full support of the primary residence distinction. And if neither of the uh, ballot questions pass, I definitely uh, intend to bring up um, putting that definition into our code and having it create some sort of uh, advantage um, over investment short-term rental licenses. Jesse Ray, we'll go to you. Thank you. Um, I will say that the you know, bullet point of ballot initiative 300 and the local housing, a primary residence can rent out their room X amount of days or their house X amount of days is probably my favorite part of that initiative. Um, for me, again, where I get really stuck is knowing these huge impacts that this will have. I mean, we just now have the data, 235 employees will lose their job should we, should that ballot initiative pass and almost $45 million in lost tax dollars. So like Geneva said, I'm not a huge fan of either really, if we could do a little column A and a little column B and kind of like morph some of these things together, I think that that might be more equitable um, for the community at large and still kind of give us an opportunity to catch up to this new economic ecosystem with the short-term rental market. But, um, I mean, I, I, that is my favorite part of that initiative is the primary residence caveat. Got it. Um, as a reminder to our listeners, we heard one listener called in. You are welcome to call in with your questions. We're talking to three of the candidates running for Telluride Town Council this evening. If you have a question, please give us a call at 970-728-4333. I want to shift. Oh, we have a question there. Never mind. I won't shift quite yet. Hi, you're live on Kodo. Uh, hi, this question is about parking. It's one <laughs> of our other big issues along with uh, housing and tourism. And this affects uh, long-term locals and short-term guests everywhere. And uh, you know, this summer and last summer since COVID, uh, parking has gotten tighter and tighter. Um, myself, I live in the W zone, which is commercial residential, but um, as I understand, people up in G zones and O zone and, and the others are also finding parking tight. And I guess the question I have is um, on councils or the council candidates' uh, ideas on uh, possibly upping the budget for public works for their manpower, their equipment, and their snow storage to make following both sides of the street to open up parking and uh, make it um, easier for residents and also possibly having some other streets designated just on the uh, uh, permit owners rather than the permit slash uh, paid meter streets. And then also, the, as I understand, the parking garage is a bit underused. And I know there are bonding restrictions on things, but whether or not uh, it's possible to open up some of that for overnight parking for locals and or guests or guests and or locals so that they don't feel, oh, if I'm overnight parking, I need to park on the street, which makes it tight for uh, permit owners. Thanks for your question. Geneva, we'll start with you. Yeah. Hi, Dave. Thanks for your question. Um, so from what we've heard, the parking garage is actually pretty 
at capacity um, over the summer. I know that this will be sort of our second winter with it. Um, so I look forward to hearing the data on how that's being utilized. I'm always open to changing how we use those parking spaces down there, um, depending on feedback from the community and public works. Um, when it comes to changing the way that our public work strategizes plowing the streets, uh, I am hesitant to push um, them in a certain direction without sort of hearing how they feel about it first. So every every year we usually have a meeting where we talk about what the snow storage plan is or, or how the plowing is going to change potentially for the year. Um, and, you know, Paul Root and his crew, um, shout out Big Daddy, do an amazing job. And they they really know the ins and outs of how that works. I'm super happy to entertain um, new ideas, but those guys are really the experts. So um, I tend to defer to our town staff on issues like this. Uh, but again, uh, there's uh, a thousand ways to skin a cat and to plow the street. So uh, if you have some more specific feedback, please uh, let us know in a letter and we should talk about it for sure. Jesse Ray, we'll go to you. Thank you, and thank you, Dave. Um, yeah, this is a pretty big question, and as someone who has uh, been in town for forever, parking's never been an easy uh, easy thing to come by here. But um, last year, Public Works implemented a new rotating plowing schedule south of Main Street, which actually freed up both sides of the street more often during the week, and it was kind of like a pilot program south of Main. It worked really well, but I know that those guys are getting ready to implement it north of Maine. Um, and Paul Root and Public Works, they are, they're constantly um, getting as creative as they can. Um, I know that our intercept lot with the county is being utilized a lot more, and people are utilizing public transportation for that reason, too, which is great. Geneva is right. Our garage is fuller than it's ever been. I do think we could do some uh, better wayfinding uh, to direct people to available parking. And, you know, we're constantly talking about increasing parking opportunities in the southwest area. Um, so we know it's an issue. Um, it's, it's a constant part of our conversations when we talk about development for housing and, and crowd management. And that's something else that's really big is it would be great to try and work more closely with San Miguel County and Mountain Village for crowd disbursement. You know, when we have these huge weekends and there's a ton of people coming into town, how can we kind of share this burden of where people go first um, so that we don't feel so overwhelmed. We're not with just foot traffic, but cars and lack of parking. Um, and I would love to see driveways being utilized. Like if you have one, park your car in it, you know, so that it opens up space on the street. At one point we had an ordinance in place that required any new construction to have off-street parking. Not sure where that went, not sure why it's not being enforced, but um, this would be a really great time to either re-implement it or just very nicely ask our community to share parking spaces if you have a driveway. And that's all I have to say. Dan, we'll go to you. I, I definitely agree with both Geneva and Jesse Ray that this is a conversation that would need to happen at a staff level and need to loop in Paul Rood uh, into this conversation because he and the rest of Public Works are the real experts, of course, and they're the ones who are going to be able to uh, best manage a possible solution to it. I do see parking as a, a problem in our town at times uh, on those peak weekends like Jesse Ray just mentioned 
and making sure that we are monitoring that situation. And then uh, further so, making sure in the budget where the rubber hits the road in policy that uh, Public Works has the, the resources that they need in order to address these and every other issue that our town is facing. So making sure that we are setting them up for success as best we can uh, with the feedback that they have to give. I also want to uh, make sure uh, as the town continues to develop more public housing that all of those projects are parking neutral at worst and parking positive preferably. If we can create more parking with those by going underground and creating multi-level parking facilities in as many of those projects as is feasible, that's going to help set us up for success. And then lastly, I want to, as we've been saying this whole night, uh, have this be a larger community conversation looping in Mountain Village and Down Valley and trying to uh, see these problems, not just as how does Telluride fix this, but as how does San Miguel County and how does the Western Slope work to fix this together. And so that includes uh, further Down Valley parking infrastructure and obviously uh, a more robust transportation system as well. I want to shift to the economy a little bit. Um, obviously, Telluride, Telluride's economy is very much tied up in tourism. Um, do you think that having a community that is so reliant on that on one um, area of the economy is a sustainable model? And do you think Telluride's reliance on tourism for our economy needs to shift or change at all. And Jesse Ray, we'll start with you. Um, when you use the word wor term, you know, tourism economy, what is kind of beautiful about tourism is that it encompasses such a wide range of um, visitor reasons. You know, you've got the four-wheeling, the Jeep tours, you've got the leaf peepers, you've got skiing, you've got the festivals, um, hiking, mountain bike races. So. When we talk about our tourism economy, what we should be talking about is, is really all the different components that make up our tourism base. And isn't that gorgeous, Geneva? Yes. <laughs> We're looking out the window, photo, best view uh, in radio. Yeah, um, I, I personally have felt, um, just as a local, pretty overwhelmed with the crowd numbers. Um, I do think that a, a, a large result of that this past year and a half is because of COVID and the drive market and people not being able to travel quite as much. I feel like we're seeing something that um, probably will begin to taper down as soon as travel becomes um, more relevant. Um, and I, I, I love that people want to come to Tyrod and they like it here, but when it starts affecting our local community, you know, mentally um, is where it, when it, I, be, I start becoming pretty concerned, you know, mental health is a huge component of this if we could maybe taper back a little bit on the force and the efforts that we are marketing this area, like I would not be opposed to that, but we have created an economic system where 75% of the dollars that are brought into this community are from visitors. So if you want to break out the tax dollars, only 25% of that are like locals are responsible for. So for me, do, do, do I wish that the crowd sizes were a little bit smaller? Yes. But like before we, make them smaller. We need to figure out other ways to be creative with long-term economic sustainability and viability. Dan, we'll go to you. Well, I think that this uh, question has a couple potential answers. And the first I'll say is that tourism is sustainable in the sense that people are going to keep coming 
for the perfect example of what Geneva just did in looking out the window and taking a picture because we're so fortunate with these fantastic, beautiful, mount beautiful mountains. People are always going to want to come here. We are so lucky to live in this fantastic, gorgeous, beautiful place, and that's, that's a resource that's not going away, that people are always going to want to experience that and experience these cultural activities we have here with our festivals, with our skiing, with our outdoor activities, and people are going to keep coming. So that's the first answer, but then is it sustainable in the way that Jesse Ray alluded to of the effects it has on the working populace of our town? And uh, that is where I think we need a rebalancing. I, I wrote a letter to the editor last year around the tourism board uh, funding discussion, and I, I equated it to uh, a concept that I learned while in college called the tragedy of the commons. Uh, the concept simply says that when humans have unrestricted access to a common resource, they tend to exploit it for their own benefit to the detriment of the resource. The most common example being fishermen who overfish fisheries instead of leaving some to resupply our, our, the fish stocks. And this is the way I want to approach Telluride of how do we balance, uh, instead of just selling, selling, selling our community all the time, and take into account how do we make that sustainable for the community and how do we build a community that still lets our tourism economy thrive uh, but while making sure that the people who live here and their needs, their mental health, uh, the, the, the things that make Telluride truly special, making sure that those are accounted for and that is sustainable. And that's where I think we need the shift because I think in my mind in the last five or so years, uh, Telluride has taken the sell, sell, sell approach. And while we certainly need to have a strong tourism economy, I'm never going to say that we should shut down our economy. So don't misconstrue me, please. But I, I, I just think we need to take a step back and look at the bigger picture and making sure that uh, we balance that economy with the needs of the people of our town. Geneva. Yeah, I think we're a tourism destination and economy period that's never going to go away um my sort of my thoughts on we used to talk about potentially incentivizing startup tech companies to come here or things like that to diversify what's you know what kind where money is coming from here and we have done some of that we definitely have some really cool um businesses that don't need to be in telluride but are in telluride because the people love it and i think that's fantastic but I think that what we've seen is the result of that same sort of thought process is, you know, most most of the people under the age of 40. No, that's not true. Most of the new people that I've met in the last two years who have moved here are not working the ski mountain. They're not raft guides. They're not working in restaurants. They're mostly working remote and they relocated here either with their families or you know, they're working for a tech company in the Bay Area and they're in their 20s and they moved here. So that sort of concept of the money isn't um, being generated by tourism, but people are living here and spending money in the grocery stores and the restaurants and um, being a part of the community, that's happening now. And I think that what we've seen is, you know, it's taking uh, uh, taking long-term rentals off of the table for people who do need to be here for the to support the tourism economy. So I think a balance of both is really important. Um, I would rather focus on uh, creating a sustainable uh, infrastructure to support the tourism economy that we are and the tourism destination that we are. 
And I do think that we are a diverse tourist economy. We've got the mountains. Those aren't going anywhere. You know, thank God us for those. We didn't create those. Those have been here long before any of us. Um, but everything from the ski and golf resort to our incredible heritage of music festivals and um, history and uh, science and the science and research center. We have all these great nonprofits um, that support the arts here, Telluride Theater. I think that we are doing a really good job of spreading out the tourism draws over a variety of interests. And I hope that we continue to support all those different angles. Um, but I don't think that we need to try and change who we are. We are a place that people come to visit because it's authentic, unique, and amazing, full of amazing people. So um, I'd like <clears throat> for us to focus on, on preserving that um, more than trying to come up with a new moneymaker. We are rapidly running out of time, so I'm going to ask y'all if you can keep your answers a little bit shorter, I just because I want to ask more questions, and y'all have great things to say. Um, one of them is looking at, obviously, y'all have mentioned it, you are elected by the residents of this community, uh, but there are a lot of folks who really think of Telluride as their home, they work here, this is the place that they live, but they maybe don't physically live in town limits, mixed with people who own property here, have homes here, are um, paying into that tax base, but don't live here primarily. So as a member of council, or how do you see town council balancing all of those people, the people who live here and vote for you, the people who don't live here, but are very much this community and the people who maybe come here, have homes here, but only spend a few weeks out of the year. And Dan, we'll start with you. Well, I'll just say that that's something that cuts both ways. It's a double-edged sword because, yes, we have to account for the second homeowners, but I also want to account for the people who work in this community that would like to make Telluride their home but then have no feasible option and have been pushed out of Telluride because they can't find housing or can't continue to make it for any number of other reasons. And so I think that, yes, well, of course we have to account for second homeowners, but I also want to think and try and create opportunities for those who, who want to invest themselves in Telluride but cannot. And so, again, that's where I am trying to present myself and take the, the broad picture of having a balanced view and taking the many factors that contribute to our economy, to our politics here in the town of Telluride. Geneva. I talk to as many people as I can about town issues. Um, I'm a bartender. <laughs> I run the bar at the transfer warehouse, and I interact with all sorts of people. And um, if you ever see me there, please, yes, ask me about, um, or on the street or anywhere, tell me what you think. Um, I do want to point out that, you know, there are plenty of people who live in surrounding areas outside of town limits that love where they live and, you know, are, don't feel pushed out of town necessarily, but still wish they had a say in what was happening um, on a town government level. And, uh, you know, I put a lot of faith into what those people say because a lot of them are running our, our businesses and have been here for a really long time. Um, so, yeah, I think for me, it's about listening to all the public comment we get. We definitely read public comment from everyone, whether you're a second homeowner or, uh, you know, live outside of city limits, town limits. Um, but also <clears throat> just listening to people, talking to people, getting different perspectives. Um, that's what I like to do. Great. Jesse Ray. 
Um, yeah, I'm just kind of going to echo what Geneva just said, because I think she hit the nail on the head. Um, I talk to as many people I can, regardless of whether they live in town, Down Valley, Ophir, um, anywhere in the surrounding area, and second homeowners, too. And, and one of the advantages of being so involved in the community, especially with nonprofits, is like that is a, a huge avenue to get to know some of our second homeowners in the summer, like Tyred Academy with my daughter. I mean, I've met so many people that come here just for the summer and they bring their families here and they're just as excited to, to be here for that short time as we were when we looked out at Ajax just a minute ago at the sun. Um, I also think that it's really important to remember that there's people that live here that don't want to live in town, um, they, to Geneva's point. They like living down valley. They like living in the ski ranches. I would love to figure out a way um, so that there could be more of a voting voice for some of the people living in the surrounding areas because a lot of them do own businesses and, and our decisions on council affect them. And it's, you know, it's got to be a bummer to have someone else make decisions on your behalf, but you can't vote on them. Um, one of the benefits that we have with our utility rights is annexing people in, you know, subdivisions into Tyride. We haven't been super consistent with that, but that's something that I would like to push for moving forward so that we can increase our voter base um, for people that can't be in Telluride. We have a caller with a question. Hi, you're live on Kodo. Hey, thank you so much. And I fully appreciate that you guys have done a lot of um, discussion of affordable housing. Obviously, that's a really important issue in town. I will say that there's one issue that is um, greater than all other issues, and that is climate change. So I'm going to put a very specific question out to all of you. Will you commit, if you are elected or reelected, to make every building, whether it be affordable housing or any other building, net zero in the future? Thank you. Thanks for your question. I think we can do this with a yes or no answer. Geneva, we'll start with you. Yes, I will do my best with what all of the designers say is possible and keep pushing for it just like we did on Sunnyside. Jesse Ray. Hi, Hillary. Thanks for that super important question. Um, yes, I'm 100% on board as long as all of the other um, departments or, or zoning entities, governing bodies involved can find a way to uh, allow us to do that because right now we have some legislation and some policies in place that um, for the town of Telluride proper anyways, that kind of inhibit or completely eliminate um, that. So a lot of change will have to happen from the ground level before, but I'm 100% down to make that work. Dan. I will echo what uh, both these other candidates said, and yes, under the infrastructure that we have. And I will go one step further to address that I think we need to start looking at remodels and uh, making sure that they also follow a green building code and are held to a high environmental standard as well. I think Hillary set us up well for a few rapid fire questions. So these, I will hold you to one word each or you'll get it when we see it. Um, Jesse, we're going to start with you. In one word, what sets you apart from the other candidates, all six or other five running for town council this year? Um, I was born here. Dan. Experience. Geneva. Hmm. You've had the longest to think about it. I know. Gosh. Do, 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 do. I'll say commitment. Dan, um, what would you say your campaign song is? Hoo-hoo. Oh. Uh, Bob Dylan's The Times They Are Changing, a classic one. Geneva. 
Well, it's my intro song for Gia's for Government, which is Everyday People, Sly and the Family Stone. Jesse Ray. One Love, Bob Marley. Perfect. Um, this one, you get three words. Um, aside from the big sexy issues that we've already talked about this evening, um, which have been, there's so many. Um, Geneva, what are the top three issues you think residents should be paying more attention to? Um, I think that people should be paying attention to the Genesee project that's happening, that's in process in the county, uh, down by the sewer plant. I think that they should, uh, give, please give feedback and tune into, um, our new, we have a new website coming and better communication and social media from our town. And, um... I also think that just digitizing our all of our processes from paying parking tickets to uh, finding the schedule for the next meeting um, and getting just information is going to see improvements soon and so it will be easier than ever to tune in. Awesome. Jesse Ray. Oh, um... Uh, the first one I think is water conservation, being at the top of the watershed. I think that we all need to be paying a little more attention to that. Um, the wastewater treatment plant expansion and possible rate fee increases. I think people need to be uh, a lot more informed about what that looks like for them. And lastly, um, gosh, this is a hard one. I think crowd disbursement is something that we all need to be talking about a little bit more. How do we manage the crowds that are coming here without um, drastically affecting job needs, um, economy, perks, and our, our community happiness? Dan. Um, I'll start with the one that's hardest to pay attention to, and that's just the budget. And it's where the rubber hits the road in policy, and it's, it's how policy is actually enacted. And so making sure that we have as much input and involvement on that I'd say that that connects to transportation because I think that ties into so many other things that we talked about tonight, whether it be housing or the economy or uh, the environment in our community. And last, I'll touch on one that Todd Brown himself actually said at the last council meeting, uh, the words he used were carrying capacity. And I think that it's a conversation that needs to start happening, happening in Telluride is what is the actual carrying capacity of Telluride, both for residents and for visitors, and how do we make sure we, we find a number that benefits as many people as possible? All right, y'all all got away with a few more than three <laughs> in that answer. <laughs> but I'll let it slide. Um, we're going to quickly get to closing statements. We're going to run a little over. I'm sorry, DJ Dev. We appreciate you for being flexible. Um, tell, Telluride Town Council is definitely a big time commitment, both with the meetings often lasting all day on a Tuesday and then all the committees that council members also participate in. So do you feel like you have the time and the capacity in your lives to be able to effectively serve on town council? Jesse Ray, we'll start with you. Um, if reelected, my um, current uh, time obligations will be the same and that's afforded me um, a lot of opportunity to network with the community at large and spend the time that is necessary to effectively, objectively, and diplomatically represent the wide variety of people, their needs, their wants. Um, so yes, I have all the time that it requires. All right, Dan. 
I know that I can because I've already been doing it. Like I alluded to at the very start of this uh, forum, uh, I've been attending meetings, I'm showing up, I'm making sure that I'm informed and I'm ready for this. So it wouldn't change anything for me either. My, my work is at night and it allows me the, some freedom and flexibility to make sure that this is my top priority. Geneva. Um, yep, I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing, which is going to every meeting. I don't think I've missed a town council meeting since uh, we went to remote participation. And I think that's a really great way to um, make, you know, we can tune in from wherever we are. So uh, I plan to continue going to every meeting and doing my best to fulfill this job. All right. We're going to move into closing statements as to why you are running and want to represent the town of Telluride on town council. Dan, we're going to start with you. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Julie. It's been nice to have this conversation with all of us. Uh, I feel that I'm the right person for the job because I, I'm experienced both with my work on planning and zoning. Actually, just prior to this tonight, I was elected the vice chair of the San Miguel County Democrats. So I am connected and involved with the town. I've been the biking director for Telluride Academy. I've been the assistant manager at the wine mine. So I have experience with that. I'm involved in our community. I have community engagement with the Telluride Theater, uh, my volunteer and fundraising work that I did last year, including a fundraiser for an organization to get people of color outside, uh, connection to the Trust for Community Housing, and I'm committed to this town. As I said all along tonight, this town has given me so much, and I feel an obligation to return some of that uh, to this, this fantastic town that we all love so much, and I, I hope that the voters of Telluride give me the chance. Thank you very much. Geneva will go to you. Um, great. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'm doing a good job at learning and listening. Um, I'm so honored to have gotten to serve uh, for this last four years, and I want to keep continuing um, the projects I've been working on and the bonds that I've been forming with both our town staff and working with them, as well as you know members of the community who are speaking up and even those who aren't speaking up. Um, I do want to shout out to Dan uh, just now mentioning the budget as one of the things that people should be thinking about um, because that is so, so crucial. And uh, I think that I have said some um, and brought some large budgetary topics forward and I want to keep pushing on those and make sure that we are putting our, um, our money where it needs to be going. And I think that our community is in a time of transition and um, I want to be a part of that transition. So vote for Geneva. Jesse Ray. Thank you, Julia. Um, I, I love doing this. I love this community. I love um, everyone that lives here, everybody that makes it work. Um, I love getting to know the new people and I genuinely have a, a passion for um, equally representing all of the needs of all of the people here. You know, I was born and raised here. My family has been here since the early 70s. Um, we call this place home. My, my parents will be buried here. Um, I'm invested in this community. I've truly enjoyed working um, with the other six town council members and, and staff these last four years. And thank you for everybody who voted for me before. Um, but I think one of the biggest reasons I wanna do this is as a, a single mother of a daughter, you know, like showing her that women can be in positions of leadership and it's not always gonna be easy. And you know, sometimes we have 10 hour meetings and She's super patient, but I think it's important for, you know, the younger generations of our community to see women um, in these roles. I think we have the most women on town council right now ever in the history, and that is really an incredible thing to be a part of. Um, so vote for me. <laughs> All right. 
Well, that is more than the time we have tonight, but I want to thank Jesse Ray, Dan Geneva. Thank you so much for being here and chatting with us. Thank you to everybody who was listening and especially those who called in. Uh, Coda, we're going to be hosting election programming throughout the month of October. This is just the first one. Next Tuesday, October 5th, we will be doing part two of this candidate forum where we'll be talking with Meehan Fee, Mark Hebert, and Kristen Joy Coleman, who are also running for Telluride Town Council. Then on the 12th, we're going to be discussing those two housing initiatives up for a vote. The 19th, we're going to be having an election program in Spanish. And then on the 26th, we're going to be looking at the other ballot initiatives up for a vote this year and the very contentious race of town meeting moderator. <laughs> um, it's just one person. It's not contentious <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, and then, of course, November. <laughs> everyone. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that one shakes out. Um, <laughs> November 2nd is election day, so make sure to tune in. We're going to be having a lot of fun here all night. And, of course, ballots are heading out on October 8th, so keep your eye out for those. And finally... Today is National Voter Registration Day, so go check your voter registration. Um, and as a reminder, non-citizens in the town of Telluride are allowed to vote in town elections as long as you have a permanent resident card and you can head over to Telluride Town Hall to register in person if that is you. Thank you, everybody, so much for tuning in. We're going to be keeping the music going for the rest of the evening, and we'll be back with more Off the Record next week. Thanks, Thanks Julia. Julia. Thanks, KOTO. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Off the Record. Opinions expressed on this show are those of our guests. Join us again next week for another installment. And in the meantime, drop us a line at news at koto.org with feedback and ideas.